We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. Joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, a man who rightfully chooses ham over turkey, Eric Crocker. What's up, dude? What type of people choose dry-ass turkey... Over ham. Like ham has so much flavor, it's delicious. You can, you know, do the honey roasted with the with the pineapple or whatever. And then like turkey is like hella dry. And turkey, well, turkey won. Like they want they got the more votes. Well, I mean, hella people like Taylor Swift too. That doesn't mean it's right. True. That is true. You know, like it doesn't just but uh, like 
And, and what they will say is, oh, well, you're not having good turkey then. I'm like, dude, I'm 35 years old. I have had a lot of turkey <laughs> cooked all kinds of different ways. And there is not a chance in hell it competes with ham. And you know what else makes ham even better? Ham is really close to being bacon. It's not that far off. Right. You know, so that's why you that's how you know it's good. It's because it's close to being bacon. And we, so, you know, we all love bacon. Right. I mean, bacon's undefeated. So, yeah, I just, dude, I've, I mean, and, and I think it was, who was it? I can't remember who in your mentions said that you could do like better leftover things with it. Um, I think it was, but, I I mean, it was Will Blackman. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, Will. He, uh, I mean, you can, dude, you can make, you can make ham and eggs. You can make a sandwich. You can make a ham and cheese sandwich. You can put it in like, you know, you could find all kinds of different ways to cook that. You can make a if you really want to get fancy, you can make a cordon bleu, get some get some chicken, open it up, fillet it up, put a piece of ham in there, put some cheese in there, then close it up, put that thing in the oven, then you have cordon bleu. Like turkey just can't compete with this stuff. Right. I mean, turkey. And, and turkey like somebody in my comments was saying, you know, with turkey, you you like have to dress it up. You have to dress it up. You know, um you have to put stuff with it, gravy or or, you know, uh, what's that? Uh, you put all the stuffing inside of it, too. You cook the stuffing yeah, inside right. the turkey yeah, to make the turkey taste better. The, 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 the cranberry sauce. Like, you got to put stuff with the You, you got to put all this stuff with turkey just to make it, like, edible. With ham, you can eat it by itself. You can eat it with the sides. Like, you can eat ham with everything. I, I don't even, I didn't think, I thought it was going to be, like, 70% ham, 30% turkey. And I was completely blown away to see it was 55% to uh, 55% to 45% in favor of turkey. I was really surprised. I think I think people just see turkey as like like kind of like the savior of the holiday. You yeah. know, like when you think of Thanksgiving, it's like turkey. So it's like it's it's almost like trying to talk shit on a Christmas tree or something. You know, like that's obviously a Christmas tree is like the MVP of you know, Christmas and Turkey is kind of like the MVP of Thanksgiving, but should it be? I don't know. I just know that every time I step up to the line of food, I may get like one slice of Turkey because somebody made it and I don't want to be disrespectful, but then I'm getting two nice thick slices of ham and uh, maybe I'll set it on top of the Turkey. So some of the ham's flavor gets on the Turkey and makes it better. You know, but it's turkey just is not it's not doing it for me. It's just it's always just been. And people are like, oh, well, you got to deep fry it. And I'm like, yeah, cool. So it'll be kind of like crispier on the end, but it's still going to taste the same. Like it's still a turkey. You ain't changing the bird. So I'm just right. I'm I, I'm I'm just not buying it. It's too expensive and I'm not buying it. I don't know. It's just. I don't know. There's probably so many people out there that are just so mad at us right now. But it, it is what it is. It is what it is. I just, I think that ham is better than turkey. No, yeah. No, you, 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 you would be correct. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like I said, and I'm so obnoxious sometimes on Twitter, but I replied to your, your post and I was like, that is the correct opinion. And oh, yeah, I know no, that. I, I thought that was comedy. That. I thought that was comedy when you said that. People, because I, I know that people are going to read that and just be so upset because one, they want to be like, 
you're incorrect. And two, they're going to be like, you can't have an incorrect opinion. An opinion is an opinion. And that's the point. (laughs) That's the point of saying it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being a troll. I'm just being a troll. So did Adam Thielen do something cool or no, no, you were tweeting about his drip, huh? Oh yeah. He has some nice shoes on nice cleats. Adam Thielen's got pretty good drip. Yeah. No, he, he puts a uniform on very well. He does a good job. Yeah. He's a, he's a good looking receiver. Like just the way he goes about his business is all good. Um, Who's your like? Who's your favorite receiver in the NFL? Doesn't have to be the best. Who's like your favorite? My favorite, just to like, just to watch. It, it always was Odell Beckham, but the last couple of years is just you know it just hasn't been the same. Ever since he went to Cleveland, and then um, you know now he's kind of been dealing with some injuries and stuff. And like Odell was a guy like, if Odell was playing, like I used to rush home like, oh okay, I want to go watch Odell because like he was. And I just feel like he's not that guy anymore. Even though last year he had like a thousand yards, but it, it just wasn't the same. Like it wasn't like Odell, like New York Giants Odell. So now I have to find that guy that I rush home to watch. And I don't know who that guy is right now. I mean, obviously there are a lot of guys that like I really like, right? Like I really like Julio. Um, obviously I like to watch DK Metcalf. Um, you know, 49ers receivers, but Nobody on the 49 receivers. I hope that Ayuk I, I love the way Debo plays. I love the way Debo plays. But I hope that Ayuk turns into that guy where like that's my favorite receiver in the league, right? And he's not there yet. But uh yeah, I, I don't know who a receiver where it's just like, oh, he's playing. I'm so excited to watch him. Maybe Devontae Adams. Maybe Devontae that, Adams. That would have been my that would have been my choice. And I'm obviously a little biased because I got to watch him do his thing for two years at Fresno State. But I mean he just he just does things that are that just. I mean, the best way I could describe Devonte Adams is he makes really, really difficult shit look hella easy. Like he just is so smooth. So I always love watching him, and it, and it helps that him and Aaron Rodgers are like on a on another level. You know, that just it helps. It allows Devonte Adams to do the damn thing. But I mean, I guess we could talk about the 49ers, right? That's what we're here to do. But so. speaking of speaking of, well, you know what? No, he was he was one of so today we got winners and losers. We got winners and losers. Where we kind of we've had a day to digest the game. We've we've kind of contemplated it. We've seen everybody's Twitter clips of it. You know, we've we've watched everybody complain about this and that. And, you know, we've established our own opinions and, and all that good stuff. So today's our, our winners and losers. And obviously when the 49ers lose a game like they lost against the Saints, where it was just so poorly executed on all fronts, um, it's it's tough to, to find losers it's or and winners. Excuse me, I meant winners. It's easy to find losers. But I wanted to start off with Javon Kinlaw because you've got a rookie defensive lineman who, to no fault of his own, will always be compared to DeForest Buckner, who is one of my favorite 49ers players over the last, like, 10 years. DeForest Buckner, I mean, I used my unequivocal draft crunch that year. The moment the Baltimore Ravens took Ronnie Stanley, I, like, pounded on the table. I was like, it's happening. (laughs) I knew it. I knew there was no other choice at that point that would have made sense or that made more sense for the 49ers than DeForest Buckner. So I knew it was happening. So, and obviously he's gone on to have a great career. He's about, he's everything you could want in a football player and a defensive lineman. But 
you know, the, given the way things unfolded, it made perfectly perfect sense why the 49ers choose to do did what they do. And part of that whole equation was drafting Javon Kinlaw with the pick that they traded for DeForest Buckner. So, you know, Kinlaw's got the you know, the rough the rough luck of just being constantly in the same sentence as DeForest Buckner. And so far this season, he hasn't been mind blowing, but neither oh, was DeForest shit. Buckner at Tyler, this phase. Tyler, what would happen? What happened? Adam Thielen just made like an amazing one handed catch. Oh, I'm gonna start checking. Amazing. Twitter. But go ahead. Yeah, make sure you check Twitter. You'll find it on there. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll keep looking at it. So yeah, so he's he's just got the tough luck of always being in the same sentence of DeForest Buckner. But so far this season, he's been he's been good. And he's righted around the same caliber as DeForest Buckner was at, at his at this stage in his career. Because in DeForest Buckner's first year, he definitely flashed. You saw all those freaky plays. But he wasn't mind-blowing either. And there were plenty of times where you were like, like, you know, especially as a guy that tall, where you're like, damn, I hope he works that out. And of course he did. And he's he's gone on to do great things. But Javon Kinlaw, a guy who's instantly had to step in for DeForest Buckner at his spot, had what might have been his best game as a pro. And and I know pro football focus, for some reason, had him as like a horrible grade. I don't know. But I know he created a few pressures on the standard little box sheet. He had three tackles, a sack and a half, uh, two quarterback hits, and a tackles for loss. And he was just he was just making noise, you know. And and on a defensive front that doesn't consist right now of a lot of talent, you know, some of the stuff I've seen Javon Kinlon do has just been so impressive. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of where he goes, and he's only going to get better. You know, he was co- he was raw coming out of college. A lot of people identified him as having just these really freaky physical traits, but still relatively raw at his position. And I've already seen him do some things that I've never even really seen veterans do. He's just a really freaky athlete, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. And I know that he's got the unenviable task of measuring up to DeForest Buckner. But right. against the Saints, I felt like he did a pretty good job of, of – of having that type of a performance. Right. And DeForest Buckner is like, <laughs> he's going to be like first team all pro this year too. So, you know, that doesn't make it any easier, especially for fans and just the topic of it, right? I mean, I every time the Colts are playing or any time, I, I feel like almost people just go out of their way to kind of bring it up. And like you said, I mean, he's just always going to be compared to, to, to Buckner and, you know, it's Always. tough because the the way I look at it, I don't I don't really look at it like that. I don't I don't look at it like one guy is replacing the other, even though that's I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of what it is, but I just looked at it as like a business de- decision, more so than, hey, we didn't want this guy, so we got rid of him. You know? Right. And and no one in their right mind would ever would ever do that with somebody like DeForest Buckner. Uh, like I said, from a player standpoint, from a personality standpoint, from an off the field standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, he's like everything you want in a football player. But sometimes when you have to play a pay a defensive lineman twenty plus million dollars a year, things ha- something has to give. And the and the 49ers just made a, a hard decision that that you know they had to move on from something like that rather than absorb that kind of hit. And and what I like to say is they researched that decision a lot more than we did as far as, you know, teams plan out their moves 
two, three, four years in advance, maybe even further. You know, they 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 have to plan out what's going to happen to their salary cap two years down the road and who might drop off and who they'd like to bring on and all this stuff. So, you know, you don't just really pull the trigger on something like that without really understanding the ramifications of of why you're doing it. So, all right, Crocker, tell me who your first winner was from the 49ers and uh, Saints game. Yes, my first winner is Kendrick Bourne. You know, there were a lot of people justice that kind of... Him. Justice for Kendrick Bourne. There were a lot of people that wanted his snaps to kind of be taken away by Richie James. And obviously, Richie James was on the field. Um, and she started the game. Um, but, you know, obviously on the field more because there was no Debo Samuel. And we just saw this crazy game that Richie James had statistic, uh, statistically uh, against uh, shoot, the Packers. And, you know, 184 right. yards, a touchdown, bunch of catches... And then in, and that automatically made people want to take away Kendrick Bourne's reps. And I'm like, damn, what did Kendrick Bourne do? You know, he's been consistent um, with who he is. And clearly not the most explosive guy, but for what he is, I think it's needed. Right? I think that that tough guy, you know, uh, you know he's been very reliable. Um, he'll only see, you know, three or four targets a game. But in those three, four, they're typically first downs, and he makes tough catches. Well... Played, again, played this game, and the reason why I'm saying he's a winner is because in the face of all of that, he still showed up, and he still was Kendrick Bourne. And he took away – we talked about it. There was one pass that probably should have been intercepted, and he wrestled it away from the defensive back. So it kind of saved Mullins from throwing yet another interception. Uh, on, on top of that, he had three or four catches, and it was like every catch was like a third down for first down catch. And obviously they tried him – uh, late in the end zone, and it was severely underthrown. But I feel like those type of plays, man, you give Kendrick Bourne a real opportunity to go up and catch that. Like, he's come down with it even in the end zone. So um, I, I want to say he's a winner just because, again, all eyes were on, for the most part, you know, at least my eyes were on, you know, the whole <laughs> Kendrick Bourne and Richie James and how were these guys going to produce. And, and I thought Kendrick Bourne, you know, fresh off of the COVID list, Looked like Kendrick Bourne, man. He made some tough catches. So that, that's my first winner. Well, and what I like about Kendrick Bourne, too, is he's exactly what you want from number number from a number three wide receiver. He's he's reliable, you know. And sure, everybody loves to focus on the few, like, spotlight drops he's had. But the dude is for a number three receiver that's not, that you know, that really is, is just meant to get the job done when they choose to, to go to him. He's done a great job at that. And watching him wrestle that pass away from that defender – and he, it's it's just kind of a part of his energy. Like, that dude had plays with so much energy. And every single – I mean, there was a quick little video of him saying what's up to Emmanuel Sanders before the game. And the two of them just immediately started laughing and joking and just, like, having a good time. Because Kendrick Bourne's right. like, just his demeanor and his personality and his sense of humor, you can tell, is just off the charts. And sometimes, you know, that, that does a lot for a team. In, in specific moments. So, I mean, I just like the way he is and what he brings to the table. And I remember talking to you about him like years ago. Like I think it was maybe when I was at camp and I think you were talking about how you liked him. And I think I was replying to one of you on Twitter or something. And it was just like, like I've just always loved the way he plays the game. He runs good routes. He has confidence in his hand. He catches the ball away from his body. He's got that like wiggle you know, that natural movement in in the way he runs his routes that you just can recognize when you see it. I just like the way he plays, man. I like yeah. the way he plays. So, and, and again, it's not flashy. It's not, 
You know, clearly he's not the most explosive receiver, but I just think he is like, you need those type of guys. And I think he understands his role. He understands what's going to be asked of him. And it, sound, it seems like, you know, Kyle Shanahan has been you know, impressed with him uh, over the last year or so. Uh, I, I want to say Kyle Shanahan maybe was in training camp this year, but he was like, hey, like that was maybe the most impressive receiver last year. And how, you know, he had limited opportunities because he didn't get a bunch of targets. But he thought he did very well with the targets that he got and maybe played some of the best ball out of all the receivers. That's out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth, not mine. But, um, yeah, I just really like what, what he brings for who he is. I don't expect him to be an eight-catch, 120-yard guy. But, you know, for what he does, you know, that third receiver, fourth target type role, uh, I think he does well in that. He's good in, he's good in a tight space, too. He's good in the red zone, you know, he's, which is – which is a quality that a lot of good receivers don't necessarily have. So, you know, that's that's also a little bonus. So, teeing off with uh, with with Crocker, I'm going with my second winner has got to be Brandon Ayuk. Like, Brandon Ayuk is, is developing. He's not there yet, but he's developing into exactly what the 49ers hoped he would be. You know, and I know there were a lot with, with so many good receivers on that board. You know, the 49ers never had a chance to draft Henry Ruggs, but they were Jerry Judy was on the board, CeeDee Lamb was on the board. The 49ers elected to go with Javon Kinlaw and then trade up into the first round or trade up in the first round and draft Brandon Ayuk. And I think he was one of those guys. I know that you'd watched him, Crocker, and I'd watched him a little bit. Um, he just was one of those guys that hadn't gotten a lot of love from the media and from fans. So when he was picked, I think. You know, there was a lot, there was plenty of people that were stoked, but there was also a lot of people like, oh man, why are we getting this guy when we could have had, you know, Judy or, or Lamp? So there was a lot of that going around. And I think that Brandon Ayuk, in my opinion, has proven himself to be in the same class as those guys. Like, look, I'm a, I'm a huge Jerry Judy fan and that dude is just dirty. But a lot of the things that I have seen from Brandon Ayuk have really impressed me. Yeah. And I think that he... It maybe if he was in the same situation as those guys, especially like the Cowboys that just throw the ball like 50 times a game, or at least they used to, he would he would be even surpassing what he's done with the 49ers. But even with the 49ers, an offense that doesn't throw the ball, ball a whole lot, at least compared to those teams, I've seen nothing but good things. He's already showing off that kind of freaky athletic ability, especially with his long arms, plucking the ball out of the air, whether it's in the air or just like barely off the turf. Like the guy, he's already showing you what he can do. You know, he put that dirty double move on. I think it was Jenkins um, against the Saints, and on on what should have been a deep touchdown, but the ball was underthrown. I mean, he got pi'd, which which made it closer than it should have been. But the ball was also underthrown, and and it ended up drawing the flag. And that's that's you know basically the result of the plays. I you never really had a chance, but right. Um, He's just a freak, man, and I feel like we've talked about this. With how little he's played the position, he could the 49ers could be onto something really, really good with, with yeah. Brandon Ayuk. Really good. I, I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface with what he can do. And heaven forbid the 49ers get some consistency at the quarterback position to just throw this guy the ball consistently because I just feel like he's – He's routinely open, routinely open 
doesn't matter what kind of coverage he's facing. He's getting open really often. So if, if he could just develop a rapport with some quarterback that would, you know, that could do the damn thing, I feel like we're only seeing the beginning of Mr. Uh, Mr. IU. Right. Nah, yeah, nah, I agree. I think he's just getting started. And, you know, there are things that he can do better. I think he can be – he's tough after the catch. Um, there are a lot of times where, you know, the first guy would hit him and he'll bounce off it. I don't think he's been very dynamic after the catch, right? Like, you know, we haven't really seen that big catch and run. We haven't seen that that catch where it's like, oh, then, you know, make a couple guys miss. And, you know, we, we haven't really seen, like, that part of his game. And, and I know it's in there. Uh, but that's the one thing where, you know, I, I would like to see that. And, and not just that, but, like, obviously, like, you know, maybe them give him some, like, contested catch opportunities, like, downfield and see how he adjusts to the ball. Like, now is the time. Now is the time. 49ers are four and six. And I know they're not looking at it like the season is over. But, you know, if you if you want to know who he – or just let him grow and feel comfortable doing more and more things, he just needs those opportunities. So that that's probably what I would like to see next. Yep. So – your second winner, man. Who you got? So it's Jarek McKinnon. And I know, like, statistically, you know, he he didn't get a lot of love. Um, there were people like, oh, he has way too many touches. But I just thought, man, like, you know, he was he was running the ball. There was nowhere to run. I thought the run blocking was atrocious. And he just kept hammering in there, hammering it in there. Then he had to do kickoff return duties. And, you know, he was catching the ball out the backfield, ran a couple of nice routes out, out of the backfield and, you know, got some yards after catch. Like, you know, it, everything was on his shoulders. And I don't think he's that guy. You know, he's not an all-purpose back anymore. I think maybe before the two kind of injuries that kind of ended his seasons in back-to-back uh, years, I think maybe he was that guy prior to that. But now he's, he's, just, he's just not that guy. And he was forced to be in that role. And... At the very least, why I think he's a winner on top of the touches and stuff like that, but he made it out the game alive. <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's not hurt. <laughs> and, you know, and 49ers have been, you know, the running backs for whatever reason have been dropping like flies. And he's somebody that at the very least, like, hey, I'm still healthy going in the next game. It looks like it. I don't know if Moser is going to be back, but I mean, if it's Austin Walters and, and McKinnon, it's like, you know, big ups to McKinnon for kind of, Hanging, hanging tough in there. Well, what's funny too is you have two positions that have kind of like fallen apart with injury. You have corner and you have running back. And the two guys that are holding it down in those positions are guys that have spent the last couple years struggling with injury. You've got Jason Verrett, who's playing outstanding football, but obviously very injury prone, still holding it down. And then you have Jarek McKinnon, who hasn't played a football game in two years up until this season, holding it down at running back and taking a beating. Like, I know he gave up a couple pressures or, or sacks uh, on pass protection sets and stuff, and, and and that's a tough – a lot of running backs are really good at it. But at the same time, that's not what the, their their primary role. So it's it's not like you should expect the same results as an offensive lineman. Now, you know, not everybody can be Frank Gore. Frank Gore was an incredible – pass protecting back along with everything else that guy did. So I, I know that uh, McKinnon gave up a little bit in the pass protection zone, but it was also a, a little bit on Mullins too. Like he wasn't recognizing the constant blitzes. He wasn't doing very much to avoid them on one of the ones that, that would be on McKinnon. McKinnon hit, I think it was Gardner Johnson. McKinnon hit the guy 
and Johnson kind of slid around him to the right and like just hit Nick Mullins in the head with his hand, which I was I thought was a penalty, but hit Nick Mullins in the head with his hand and Nick Mullins just falls backwards. <laughs> like he looked like somebody just blew on him. Like I feel like we have the most unathletic quarterbacks like in the, in the NFL. He literally just like, fell backwards. You know what it looked like? There was an invisible person that like got on on the all fours behind him, and that and then Gardner Johnson just pushed him over. Right? And, and didn't they, we see something like that from Garoppolo earlier this year too? Where they just fall over? Yeah, he did. I think it was like on that, that play where he almost dropped the ball and spun a few times. And he, yeah, and he kind of just danced around and then just like fell over or got sacked or something. <laughs> I don't know. There might have been another instance too, but yeah, it's just like, like there's another one, maybe against like uh, the Seahawks or something. Because I just remember thinking like, that's not going to look good. We're going to see that on Twitter. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was just bad. So, but I do appreciate the fact that McKinnon was working with what he had. No, he's not fast, but there are a lot of running backs that are not fast in this league. That is not the reason that McKinnon was not gaining yards. McKinnon just being straight up f- slow. There may be a couple of plays in there that I'll, that I'll see throughout the week where McKinnon's speed was the primary reason for him not gaining yards. But the dude was just trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit all night. Like, he was tackled for a loss so many damn times, and that goes into his rushing total. Like, if he's tackled for a six-yard loss, then that's six yards off of his total yards gained. So it's like, you got to factor that in too. And that's not on him. He's not just dancing around in the backfield until somebody tackles him back there. He's just, there just was not a lot of blocking going on. So I, I don't, I don't put a lot of that, that lack of a rushing attack on McKinnon. Sure. Raheem Mostert would make a difference, but I consider Raheem Mostert to be among some of the better, one of the better running backs in the league, you know? So of course he would make a difference, but I, I just don't think, McKinnon's knees or whatever his explosiveness being shot was the reason the 49ers struggled so much. At least like Crocker said, he was healthy. He was back there. He was taking snaps, which is more than what we can say for another running back that we'll get to. But before we get to our, our losers for the, the evening, um, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors and then we will get right back here and, and hit you with the rest of our, of our podcast. First, we've got indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. According to Comscore, Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job. Make it Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates are going to see it fast. 
Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st in terms and conditions apply. And we've got Bet Online. Football is back. It's in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word B L U E W I R E. Bet Online is your online sports book experts. All right, Croc. You can't lose a game to the Saints like that without having some pretty obvious and what's the what's the word I'm looking for here? Worthwhile losers that have really earned the title this week. Who's your first loser, bro? Uh, first loser is drum roll, please. I wait, I Jimmy Ward. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me click this. Okay. Nope, that's not that type of drum. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jimmy Ward. And not because I think Jimmy Ward played bad. He actually didn't play bad. Um, I I like how he plays. He was flying around. But the reason why Jimmy Ward is a loser isn't so much for his play. It's more because he hasn't had an interception in a really long time. Really long time. And he had an opportunity. I get it. James Winston, he's throwing it really hard. You're not that far. You jump up. It hits you in the hands. You got to get it. And and the reason why you got to get it is because you you haven't had these type of opportunities. And I'm going to pull up his stats real quick and see, like, how long has it been since Jimmy Ward? What do you want to know? I got him for you, bro. How how long has it been since Jimmy Ward had an interception? What year? The last time? 2016. The last time was 2016. So 2017, no picks. 18, no picks. 19, no picks. 20, still no picks. That's a long time for a free safety to not get an interception. And he finally had an opportunity. Well, I don't want to say finally because there probably are, you know, other opportunities, but he had one hit him right in the hands and he did not come down with it. So not so much for his play. I think he played well, but you got to get the pick. So, and he had a big opportunity there to kind of get that monkey off his back. So yeah, that's the, that's my loser. And he's actually never had an interception while playing free safety. He's been playing free safety since 2017, and he's never had an interception. He had an interception in 2016 when he played right corner, and he had one in 2015 when he was mainly like the nickel guy. Um, But he he returned for a touchdown. I remember that. Right. Yeah. What was that? Yep. Was that Jay Cutler or Matt Schaub? No, Cutler. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. He has since he moved to free safety, he has not intercepted a single pass. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, again, we're not, I mean, I think Jimmy Ward is a quality football player, but your job back there, especially as the free safety, is to get some picks. Make some quarterbacks think you're you're not doing what you're doing and intercept the pass. 
you know, to just play those mind games with the quarterback, study some film, do some things they're not expecting, and get some interceptions. And he just he just hasn't done that. I mean, he hasn't been bad. He's been a pretty good football player. That's why the 49ers kept him around. But it's just you gotta you gotta do something. You know, you gotta you gotta you gotta make plays. You gotta take the ball away. So I agree with you on that one. I, I knew the moment, dude, I knew the moment he dropped that ball. I was like, oh, Eric Rogers is going to be pissed. <laughs> no, I mean, that's my biggest thing, right? I mean, I've been harping on it like, hey, 49 safeties, like, got to take the ball away. And they did, just not Jimmy Ward, right? It was uh, Tar- Tarverius Moore kind of punched the ball out. And and then uh, uh, Harris, Marcel Harris, recovered it. So the two guys right. who have been involved in, in taking the ball away, Harris plenty of times. Uh, Moore obviously got the inter- interception in the Super Bowl off a tip that was forced by uh, Jaquiski Tart, but got the interception. Now, again, hasn't even been playing that long, but boom, punches the ball out. Uh, and it was a really great play to kind of get the ball out. A couple guys were involved in that. And then Harris, you know, uh, recovering the fumble. And I feel like guys like that is is no coincidence that they're always around the ball, right? It just, excuse me, it seems like certain guys that make plays, they they just always somehow around the ball. Who who recovered the uh the muffed punt by by the Saints? Um Marcel Harris. So he recovered two fumbles. Well it only has it only has on fumble on special teams there's only one person from the game that had no he did. Yeah. He had a fumble recovery on defense and a fumble recovery on special teams. And you're right. And and he has a knack for the ball. Whether it's yeah. causing turnovers or just being around them. Yeah, it, it, I don't think things like that are a coincidence. So, obviously, there are certain things that you know Marcel Harris probably would love to tighten up um, in coverage. And, and again, I, I've been on. I think he's playing well in coverage. I think you know there has been a play here and there where he. I'm pretty sure he would like back. But for the most part, he's been he's been really solid. But he has a knack for just being around the ball and taking the ball away or forcing it. And uh, yet again, he had two. Uh, to recoveries, just kind of being there in the right spot. Uh, and that's more than we can say for other guys, right? Like, as many balls get punched out by 49ers linebackers and stuff like that, like, how many have War, has Ward recovered? Like, how many has Tart recovered? Now, Tart did force one last year uh, on the DK Metcalf, but we just haven't really seen that a lot. And it was just kind of refreshing to see a guy just just be there. Right time, right place, recover, recover uh, the ball for a takeaway, so. Well, really and, and and that's a good point too because if if you force turnovers, there is a place for you in this league. You might get beat, you might have some bad plays, but if you are forcing turnovers or recovering them or just being around the ball, teams are going to want you on the league because there's nothing, nothing changes a game faster than a turnover. Whether you're committing it on offense or you're taking the ball away on defense, nothing changes a game faster than than a than a good turnover. And, and Marcel Harris has has had a pretty solid ability to constantly do that. I don't know if it shows up in the stats. Let me see. Um, let me see what he's got in here. So he's been on the team in 2018. He's Okay, so he didn't really play in 2018. Well, no, he did. He did. Remember, he's he had, had towards he had towards Achilles his senior year at, and right. for that last year in college. So he missed a lot of time. Of the 49ers season, I believe, like like maybe started on pup list or something like that. Like I don't think he just started and was just 
able to be active right away. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. But in, okay, so we'll just say this. Since 2019, Marcel Harris has forced five fumbles and recovered three of them. I mean, mm-hmm. that is a that's a lot in two seasons. You know, right. and obviously he doesn't have the interception numbers, but I mean, just the fact that he's forced five fumbles and recovered three, that's that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. So I mean, that's that just goes to you know that's just making a play. You might you might give up some stuff here and there, but just pure and simple being a playmaker, and and that'll change the the course of a game really quick. My first loser is the obvious one, Nick Mullins, dude. The expectations are low, and you're still not meeting them. Like, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to just hammer into a backup quarterback because he's not meant to get out there and shine because that's not his role. And there's really not a whole lot of backup quarterbacks in this league that will get out there and shine. They'll probably all play right around the same, if not worse than Nick Mullins. But you've got what could be the greatest play caller in the NFL setting stuff up for you. And you still just can't make the right decisions. It's the same kind of, it's like the same frustrations we've had with Jimmy Garoppolo, just magnified. You know, Nick Mullins threw two interceptions against the Saints. Both of them were were just head scratchers. And then he had at least three or four other passes that had things gone the right way for the Saints should have been picked. So, I mean, there there was, with, with very little effort, Nick Mullins could have thrown four interceptions instead of two. And we've seen Garoppolo do the same thing. So it's not like I'm I'm saying this is a reason that Garoppolo is better than Mullins. That's not why I'm, I, he just did not play good football. He just did. He just and and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but that guy looks so stressed during a game. <laughs> like on the sidelines, he's like taking these deep breaths. He's like not standing next to people. He's got his helmet on. He's not like smiling or joking or any like he just looks stressed out of his mind. And I don't There's blame something him. about his face, huh? Right, yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's punchable or something. <laughs> yeah. I didn't forget, bro. I didn't forget. So, <laughs> it's – he. I don't know, man. I mean, again, he's a backup quarterback. He's an undraft, former undrafted free agent. I'm not act, out here acting like he should be putting up Aaron Rodgers' numbers, but he's still making some bad mistakes. He's still missing some pretty easy reads. He's not seeing things at the line of scrimmage. You can look over and see a, a defensive back that – Blitzed, I don't even know how many times. And I guarantee you it was within Nick Mullen's power to at least switch things up to where they were taking advantage of those blitzes. But not only was he doing that, but he wasn't even really seeing it. And you got guys just swatting at his helmet and he's falling over. Yeah. You know, it's even just, if you do like a, a hard count cadence to see, like, oh, okay, hey, he's coming. Uh, thunder, 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 you know, uh, rush coming off the right side. And now, you know, shift your back to that side. Or have him come down and catch him at the line of scrimmage. You know, like there are things that you can do within your power because there were a lot of people that were saying, "Hey, Kyle needs to make an adjustment." And even me, I was like, "Man, maybe they should try doing like a screen or something to that side." But the quarterback too, man. Like, dude, you gotta you gotta make some adjustments. Like, you you gotta shift the line. Like, you know, you you can't just let this guy keep coming off the edge, and like you're not making any any adjustments. And, and you know, maybe hey, maybe Kyle doesn't give these guys the freedom to do that, but. I find that really hard to believe. I, I find that really hard to believe. 
I do too. And and I, I, I somebody had on Twitter had brought up the word adjustments to me. Like, oh, Kyle's going to make adjustments. I was like, dude, what you're seeing out there right now is the adjustments. Like, <laughs> right. these, these are the adjustments, and they can't even do that. Like, do you think that what Kyle Shanahan is calling for these guys is what he would be calling if everybody was healthy? Hell no. Not even close. His Half of his playbook is probably gone. He's probably got, like, permanent marker all over that plastic sheet. Nope, can't, nope, 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 nope. Don't have Debo, don't have Kittle, don't have Garoppolo. Don't have Debo, don't have Kittle. Don't have Debo, don't have Kittle. Like, he's just crossing shit don't off like Mostert. crazy. Don't have Mostert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't have Mostert. Coleman. Don't have- don't, you know, yeah, it's tough. And it's so, tough. like, what you're seeing on the field are the adjustments. It's just that a lot of these guys are backups and they can't execute. They're just – they don't execute. I mean, if you have – there, there are some basic situations where, you know, I thought it was weird that it was like third and less than a yard and Kyle Shanahan attempted a pass. I think that's weird. I think a quarterback sneak would have got it. Boom. No problem. But you can look at them with some stuff. Some, I, I feel like it's easy to look at stuff like that and say that's a little weird. But when it comes to a, a game plan and adjustments and, a, and, a, and a calling plays as a whole, to me, I don't think there's really anybody out there that has the acumen to question what Kyle Shanahan's doing again in like a very small microsphere, like a single play and a single call. Sure. But when you throw out things like Kyle Shanahan needs to adjust, like he's probably adjusted two or three times already before you even said that he it's, there's only so much you can do with, with a quarterback like McMullins with a running back like Jarek McKinnon. You know, with with backup receivers, you got backup offensive linemen. Like, there's only so much adjusting you can do before you just. It is what it is. Yeah. There, there, well, there's a guy, somebody, somebody on Twitter, and just just kind of came across like my feed shortly before we started recording. But you know, his, his tweet said he keeps hearing um, people say the team just needs to execute, and he said, "Isn't that the biggest part of a coach's job to get his uh, players in position to execute?" And it's like, yes, that is a big part of the coach's job. But you can only do that to some extent. Like, when you're missing this many guys, like, you know, it's really hard to have any type of real counters for what teams are doing. Like, at some point, like, this is the 49ers reality right now. You have a backup quarterback in there that's that's very limited with his ability so much so that they had to pull him out of the game to throw a deep ball <laughs> down the field. You know what I'm saying? Um, you're playing without any running. Like, you're like, okay, my two guys who I feel comfortable running the ball with, Raheem Mostert, not in. Tevin Coleman, not there. Okay, okay, well, we'll go with Jeff Wilson, not there. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like your running game is all messed up. You got Mike McGlinchey that's just getting bullied and pushed over. Like, what is Kyle supposed to do at this at this point? Like he, you know, Debo Samuel not there, George Kittle not there. Like, who is he supposed to? How is he supposed to put? You can only put so many guys in position to execute. It's not like there's like one or two guys missing, you know. And and at positions where okay, well, my right guard is missing and one receiver. Okay, you know, you can overcome that. But when you start missing as much guys as the 49ers are, it's really tough to even put guys in position to execute. Because even if you do, typically those guys are backups for a reason. They usually aren't the guys that you're scheming stuff up for to put guys in position to make plays. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, even tweets like that, you know, those are things that are kind of going on in the Twitter sphere right now in 49ers land where I'm starting to see people question Kyle Shanahan and it's like, wow, 
this guy around the league. Okay, how about this? You fire Kyle Shanahan right now, he'll have a job tomorrow. Like some another team would fire their coach. He would have one tonight. (laughs) Just tonight, right? As soon as he clears waivers, (laughs) like a team would fire their head coach just to just to get him. Like a coach that you know what, like Mark McCarthy, uh, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys right now. He they they already said like yeah McCarthy's coming back. If the 49ers fire Kyle Shanahan today, the Cowboys would renege on that and fire. McCarthy's ass and have Kyle Shanahan on the first private jet to Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, or whatever. Like, don't this 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 isn't this is an issue of not having like the guys. And I've seen you know I saw some response replies to that comment, and it was like, hey, well Robert Sala's guys, they they did well, and it was like, yeah, they did to a certain extent. They still don't have guys. Uh, you know, really closing and making plays. And you still see, like, damn, we, we do miss guys like uh, um, Nick Bosa. We do miss guys like D4. Like, 49ers played very well. I think the biggest, the best thing that they did at a time when the Saints were starting to get hot was kind of hurt Drew Brees. And I think that kind of made it to where they, you know, shoot, James Winston looked, came in there and he looked like he didn't know what the hell he was doing. So I think that kind of skewed the way that game went for the defense, even though they did do some things well, I it, I feel like it could have been a lot worse. So, um, yeah, man, it, it is just – it is what it is. The 49ers just have to figure out a way to get through this season, and that's kind of where we're at right now, right? We're talking about the draft and all type of other stuff. Yeah, it was it, – here's how it, how it looks, too. Like, And I coach, and I know you do a lot of coaching um, with your, your flag stuff and, and all kinds of different levels of coaching – and I coach middle school football, and let's say that I had my starting offense and defense lined up on the field. And some dude in like a Grim Reaper's outfit, you know, with a little scythe and skull or whatever, um, if he came out and told me like, hey, man, you're going to have to play this game without half your starters on offense and half your starters on defense. Probably your and, and make sure they're the better half, too. Like not the less. Make sure it's make sure it's yeah, the like, better like half. Richard Sherman, the four, you know, right? Yeah, make make sure it's your real studs. Stuff. Make sure they're out of the game. I would just to start laughing maniacally, like that laughter that you laugh at shit that's horrible, but it's and it's crazy. Yeah. But like, and I would I would not expect to win a single game. Like it just it just does not work like that. Like there are no teams in the NFL that can overcome what's happened to the 49ers, especially when the backups just aren't executing at a level that would support what a guy like Kyle Shanahan wants to do. It's just not going to happen. So it's it's right now really the only thing that you can critique is the players not doing their jobs and making mistakes that are obviously on them. You know, I like I said, I, I wish I knew enough about football to critique somebody like Kyle Shanahan Again, I might be able to do it on like a microsphere and a very small level. Like, I don't know about that play call and that down and distance type of deal. But that's about all I can say. And even then, I'm still out of my depth. So, you know, it's it, Crocker, you got you got one last loser, man. Let's 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 hit it. Who's who's your last loser? Sure, I forgot who was my last loser. Your last loser was a certain running back that had a decent opportunity and no longer has that. Oh yeah. Okay, and that's why because you know when we say loser is like we come up with this and then 
a lot of times me, I try to go like against the grain, like not a guy that, oh, he just didn't play well or something, but I just maybe didn't take advantage of the opportunity, right? And right now where the 49ers are, we've talked about all the injuries that they're having right now. I think the biggest thing is taking advantage of the opportunity. And one guy named Jermichael Hasty did not. Um, he's hurt. You know, he he's broke his collarbone and he's out. And, you know, obviously, like, I, I saw the hit. Tough hit. As soon as he landed, I tweeted out, yeah, that looks like his collarbone. And sure enough, it was his collarbone. I'm not blaming him, and I'm not calling him a loser or whatever, um, for anything that he personally did wrong, but just not really being able to take advantage of the opportunity. And when I say take advantage of the opportunity, there's this receiver right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I don't think he played his first game until the 49ers played the Philadelphia Eagles. And since then, he has, when we talk about taking advantage of the opportunity, he has over, so let's see, how many games has he played in? Let's see, hold on, I've got his stats up here. He's played in six games, all right? So in, in, in those games, right now, he has 30, 30 catches, 443 yards, four touchdowns. Like, when I talk about taking advantage of the opportunity, like, that's what that means, right? Um, think about Raheem Mostert in the playoffs, right? Because remember, they kept going kind of, he's doing well, but we still want Tevin Coleman to be the lead back. Well, Tevin Coleman, remember, he hurt his arm uh, putting his hand down in that NFC Championship game. People don't even remember that. Like, Tevin, Tevin Coleman started the, the Packers Championship game, and he got hurt. Right, so and it was and it was after a good game against the Vikings. So like right. he there was there was nothing wrong with him starting. Right, and Mostert came in and just like ran for over two hundred yards and like four touchdowns in the first half. Like that's and and that performance catapulted him to being the lead guy the following year. Like that's taking advantage of the opportunity. Well, Hasty had an an opportunity, and I feel like even in a time where you, you, you know, you lose all your backs. You lost Wilson. You lost Mostert. You lost Coleman. And it's coming down to you and and Jared McKinnon. I feel like he could have done a little bit more to really be like, hey, no, like, give, give me the rock, Kyle. Give me the rock. Like, not to tell Kyle, but, like, with his performance. You know, and whatever he did wasn't impressive enough, I guess, to un unseat. Uh, McKinnon as a guy that got all the touches. So, um, and then on top of that, he got hurt. So, I, I, you know, obviously would love to see him come back and and get another crack at it. But he had a big opportunity. And when I say big opportunity, I mean you you want to put yourself in position to where, hey, you know, y'all don't need to bring Tevin Coleman back. Y'all need to bring Jeff Wilson back. Like, let me run the ball with Raheem Mostert. Like, you know, what I'm saying like that type of thing. And that's just not that's not gonna be the case. I, I don't think. I don't think he did anything to really, you know, make that happen. No, I would agree. I would agree. And and, I, and again, it's not like we're trying to take cheap shots at somebody that got injured. But at the same time, you know, stay, staying healthy is is just an inevitable aspect of football and availability matters. Now, again, it's not like you know, we're not trying to just harp on a guy just because he got hurt. But when you have an opportunity like that, you have to seize it. And that means staying healthy. And, and there's 
a fractured collarbone could hasty have you know avoided that probably not but it's just it's the way it is it's the harsh reality of life in the nfl dudes lose their jobs to injury as much as they say you shouldn't it happens all the time all the time so that's that's just the way it is hasty had a pretty big opportunity there and and couldn't really do something with it but I mean, and, and my my biggest loser, I, I mean, I, I just got done going over it, was just the overall lack of execution. And, and you know, it, it just it makes it impossible to win. And there's so many moments where you can see Kyle Shanahan's scheme just emerge like like flash, like, oh, dude, that guy was open or, oh, that would have been a great play. But, you know, that happens all the time. Like that deep shot to Richie James reminded me of the Super Bowl. Like they knew a deep shot was coming coming and Richie James slash Kyle Shanahan still managed to get him open deep and we just couldn't hit it under threw it by like seven yards not even close not even a ball the receiver had a chance for nothing like give Kyle Shanahan and the rest of this team a chance to just be successful and I guess that can kind of blend me into uh, you know kind of a, a closing loser and that's just the offense like it, the way it's operating currently, and, and it sucks because it's putting so much pressure on a defense that, in my opinion, is playing out of its mind. And I don't mean it's one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's still top half. But for the amount of injuries they've sustained, the 49ers defense and Robert Sala are cooking, in yeah. my opinion. I think they are playing great football. And you, And what that should tell you is imagine how much better they would be if – guys like Nick Bosa and D Ford were still out there. You know, they would be firing on all cylinders, but I still think that defense is playing great, but they are just getting no help from the offense. And and it just leaves them out there too long. And and so what you're seeing on paper and what you're seeing in these games is actually to me a a, a misleading representation of what that defense is capable of because of how often they're on the field and how often it falls on their shoulders. So the offense and it's not it's not really Kyle Shanahan's fault at least I don't want to say it is they've got to step up they've got to do something that's more um befitting of of what the type of effort that the defense is putting in on the other side that's just you know it, it kind of just is it's an overall execution on the offensive side of the ball just has to be better Mike McGlinchey has to be better Nick Mullins has to be better the run blocking the offensive line as a whole has to be better it's just if if you want anything to look anywhere near impressive to close out the season, even if it's in a losing effort, if you want to look like a real offense, that shit just has to get better. Otherwise, it's just going to be more of of what we saw. But that's all I got, man. What you got any uh got any things you want to close with? Nah, um, I, I will say like to everybody, stay faithful. <laughs> it's tough times and I see everybody kind of going back and forth on different things and different topics and and some guys like you know creating uh these different narratives and things like that but you know at the end of the day you just kind of look at it for what it is and you know it's a tough time but I I don't obviously this is the 49ers reality this season I don't think that this is the 49ers reality moving forward so um that's kind of how I look at it you know after every loss <laughs> uh it's not getting any easier over the next few weeks. And, you know, it's kind of really hard to have big time ex- expectations when uh, we've kind of seen that, you know, the quarterback position is the most important position. And when you're playing with the backup, as much as I talk about, 
you know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and maybe where he lacks. That's just to take the Niners to like the next step. But th- there's no doubt he's the, the best thing for the 49ers right now, and that they would look like a better team typically when he's when he's healthy and playing well. And uh, yeah, what we're seeing right now is not a good representation, like you said, of what the 49ers could be. So I just hope that everybody kind of just remains uh, faithful, man, and just kind of sees the bigger picture. And keep an eye on Zach Wilson. But anyways. Keep an eye on Zach Wilson. <laughs> anyways, that's it for us uh, for tonight, folks. I appreciate you guys. Hey, quick heads up. Our mailbag, our mailbag podcast that we will record on Wednesday that will be out to you guys on Thursday. That will be Eric Crocker and I's 100th episode of Striking Gold together. Hell yeah, we, we got in- pop champagne in this bitch. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> I know, we got to eat some ham. Fuck turkey. I Anyways. know, man. Dry ass turkey. <laughs> so what What I, and this is, I'm just talking to Croc about this right now. What we're going to do is we'll make it to where any question will be accepted. It can be 49ers. It can be something random off the wall. It won't matter. Any question, you know, even if it's a, a, it directed towards each other, whatever it is, whatever you can think up, Throw it in this in this week's mailbag, just so me and Crocker can have a weird ass 100th episode. Um, and uh, look for that on Twitter. We'll we'll post about that on Wednesday morning. Um, just make sure you come with your best question. It could be 49ers, or it could not be. It's whatever I wish you we want. We knew how to do like like a live like you know you know how people do like live videos and they turn it into like the the audio into a podcast. But I wish we could do that where people could just like be in there in in the chat like asking questions and you know we're just answering things hey, live like that would be I might cool. I might have to look into it. it. I might have to look into that in between now and Wednesday. Yeah, we got like a day to set that up, but that would Well, be I mean, shit, it doesn't even we'll, we'll work it out cuz I I think that's a good idea. We'll look into it. I mean, I know I'll, I got all the the software here. I'm pretty sure we could do it to where we're just literally recording the podcast as we're on video. Right. You know, and and uh We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, ooh, maybe we'll do that. We'll see. Um, but anyways, hey, as always, I appreciate the support. The support. There'd be no way Crocker and I could get to 100 episodes without you guys tuning in, uh, hitting us up on Twitter, asking the questions on Twitter, just generally following us along in the journey. Uh, I appreciate you guys. And I know I say that all the time and it might get old, but it's never not true. Okay, so just, just remember that. It's never not true. Um, but hey, for another night. This is Striking Gold, signing out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative 
global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.